everybody? Today we will take a look at the people, or should I say the nature and behavior of the people in the millennial kingdom. There are some interesting questions regarding this aspect of the kingdom. Some of these questions will be answered and some are left to mystery. We know that there will be two groups that receive resurrected or glorified bodies, and that are that is the Old Testament saints and the church saints. There will also be two groups that will still have natural bodies in the kingdom, and that will be the Jewish and Gentile believers that make it through the tribulation period. Now, no one enters the kingdom unless they are believers. However, those born during the time of the kingdom will be, you know, true millennials, by the way, that's an interesting thought, but they will be born into sin and will need salvation just like you and I today. That raises even more questions. So let's jump in and see what answers we can find. Those with glorified bodies will not die, get sick, marry, or have kids. And will we will not have a sin nature and therefore will be able to follow Jesus' commands fully and perfectly. We will reign with Christ. We will be part of the government of the kingdom. Those who have natural bodies will have a sin nature and will therefore not be able to obey Jesus 100% of the time. This also means there will be uh, disobedience and sin present in the kingdom. That is the reason for the government of the kingdom. It will serve to care for the citizens and to prevent sin or disobedience from having any room to grow. It will be stopped immediately under the rule of Christ. Those who still have a sin nature will not serve in the government, but will be the ones being governed. Because of their sin nature, they cannot fully obey and follow the Lord's commands perfectly. That is why only those with glorified bodies free of the sin nature will be allowed to govern, because only they will have the ability to follow Jesus' statutes perfectly. So, the need for government is due to the presence of sin and lawbreakers, essentially. Without sin or lawbreakers, uh, or those being disobedient, there would be no need for government. Everyone would do the right thing, and there would be no reason to be governed. Now, even though 100% of those granted entry into the kingdom were believers or will be believers, they were not or not all sinless. Entry was gained by righteousness through faith, but those still having a sin nature will be able to reproduce and the offspring will, be, will have to come to faith in Christ just like me and you, just like we did. So these offspring will potentially struggle with their sin nature perhaps even more than the first generation that entered as believers. They will mess up and be disobedient lawbreakers um, on top of that, but the kingdom government will step in to prevent it from growing or going anywhere. The kingdom of the world will be governed by a class of humanity that will never die. That's those with the resurrected uh, glorified bodies, and we will be among those. That being said, the governed will possess sin uh, and they can die and marry and have kids. They will repopulate the earth, perhaps at a staggering rate. How long will those with natural bodies live, by the way? How many people will be born during this time? Think about this hypothet hypothetical calculation. What if 10,000 people, Jew and Gentile-like, enter the kingdom with natural bodies? Then what if they were uh, were an even number of male and female and they all married you know, the male and females, you know, married an even number. And just 2% of that 10,000 had a child each year. By the end of the thousand years, there would be like 4 trillion people with natural bodies living in a sin nature that need to be governed. That's a lot of people. 
you know, people living long lives and reproducing every year for a thousand years will produce a massive population, one that will need to come to faith just like me and you today, or they will go to hell just like all other unbelievers. Now, Isaiah 65.20 says, Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. Isaiah tells us that children will no longer die at a young age. The earliest the, the, the young will die potentially is a hundred because the body will be able to live much longer in the kingdom for those with natural bodies. God's, God controls life and death as he always has. And in the kingdom, it seems like everyone born is granted a hundred years or something close to that, but can potentially live much, much longer throughout the, the length of the millennial kingdom, potentially. Isaiah implies that dying at a hundred would be an early death. And it will be like the days before the flood, you know, the, the kingdom, the way life will exist in the kingdom will be like the days before the flood. You know, Methuselah, son of Enoch and grandfather of Noah, lived 969 years. So it will be like those days. Isaiah also says that the old man will never fail to live out his days in the kingdom. He will not die of old age, so to speak. This is part of the reversal of the sin curse. Now, for those who die at 100 or around that, Isaiah says they will be considered accursed. This means uh, they will be under divine judgment. In this case, to be accursed could mean that they're under eternal judgment, as in hell. Uh, and we know that only unbelievers are under condemnation in the kingdom. So those who are accursed must be unbelievers. It is possible that God grants each person a hundred years uh, each. You know, they have an opportunity through a hundred years to come to faith. But if at that point you reach 100 years and you have not you know, come to faith in Christ, then you die and go to hell. And so, I mean, it's, that's just a possibility and one way to, to look at this. For those who come to faith, Isaiah says they will not fail to live out their days. This could mean that they will live through the duration of the kingdom. And if so, when are they changed and given the glorified eternal bodies? For that one, I have no answer. We will have to wait and see. At the at least, people will live like the days before the flood, which will be super cool. Another question is, how do people live on earth for that long in the kingdom under the rule of Jesus himself and not come to faith or trust him as their savior? First, they did not believe him when he walked on, on the earth the first time and did all kinds of miracles right in front of them. Secondly, these new generations will only know the kingdom life. They will have no knowledge of what came before them. This will be normal for them. There will be no evidence, so to speak, of the past. Like people today don't believe in the flood or, or Noah. Even the people ruling with you know eternal bodies that never seem to age or die or anything, that still won't be enough for them. It will be normal, so to speak. Lastly, those who are unbelievers will never see Jesus in person because unbelievers are not permitted into the temple and definitely not in the Holy of Holies where Jesus will dwell and reign during the thousand years. Only the believers will be allowed to see Jesus at certain times. So Ezekiel 43, 4-7, uh, the glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. 
Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. While the man was standing beside me, I heard someone speaking to me from inside the temple. He said, Son of man, and that's talking about Ezekiel, not Son of man referring to Jesus. Um, so, because this is the Lord speaking. So he says, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place for the soles of my feet. This is where I will live among my people, Israel, forever. Ezekiel goes on to indicate that visitors can see Jesus on certain days, but that unbelievers will never see him in the temple. They will see a temple on a mountain and know that the king of kings rules from that temple, but you know, where his throne is, of course, but they will not actually see him because they cannot go in the temple. Remember, the Jews that came to faith at the end of the tribulation did so before Jesus returned in all his glory. Likewise, the unbeliever in the kingdom must come to faith in Christ just like you and I did, just like every believer has done, just like the Jews at the end of the tribulation will do. They must realize that they are a sinner and only Jesus can wash away that sin and make them righteous before God. They must be saved by grace through faith and not by sight. If Jesus appeared to them in all his glory, it would take away their, their choice, so to speak. They would know immediately and, li and likely out of fear they would follow him. But more importantly, they would they would know and it would become self-evident of who he is and therefore would require no faith. So even in the kingdom, salvation comes by faith and not by sight. Romans 8.24 says, For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For, the, for who hopes for what he already sees? Philippians 2, 9-11 tells us that God gave Jesus a name above all names, and at the end, in the final judgment, after the millennial kingdom, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. In fact, it specifically says that whether you are in heaven, on earth, or under it, meaning hell, or the lake of fire, no matter where you are, every being or soul, from angels to demons, from believers to unbelievers in torment, everyone will confess and acknowledge the truth of who Jesus is. But that won't save the unbelievers in torment, because they will simply be acknowledging what has become self-evident at that point. There is no faith there. During the kingdom, the unbeliever will have to accept the word of our testimony that that the king who reigns in the temple is the savior and the son of the living God. Our glorified bodies will likely look like those with nat those who have natural bodies, you know, minus the wrinkles and, and rolls, hopefully. We will be sinless, but it is likely that we won't seem that much different, which will also challenge the faith of the unbeliever. They may see our sinless nature, and it may convict them, but it won't cause them to necessarily change and come to faith. It won't sway them that much. We will live side by side with the unbelievers and those in natural bodies, and they will likely never even comprehend the differences between us. We will reestablish relationships with people who know who we know in this life, and we'll make friends with people from across the ages. Uh, we will live and dwell in with loved ones that have gone before us, once again enjoying their company and laughter, but it will be even better this time. I can't wait to see and hang out with so many of the giants of faith, but it will truly 
uh, be awesome. And I will truly love seeing my dad and grandparents and family that has gone before me. What a glorious day that will be. Isaiah 4, 2-6 talks about how the branch of the Lord, which is Israel, will be beautiful and their fruit will be uh, the pride and adornment of the survivors of Israel, which, you know, seems to be referring to their offspring uh, as well. But verse five through six says, then the Lord will create over the whole area of Mount Zion and over her assemblies, a cloud by day, even, even smoke and the brightness of a flaming fire by night for all, for over all the glory will, will be a canopy. There will be a shelter to give shade from the heat heat by day and refuge and protection from the storm and the rain. This mirrors what God did for Israel in the wilderness after leaving Egypt. Uh, you know, Jerusalem will be covered by the Shekinah glory. So you can see the, the similarities of what God did for them in, uh, in the wilderness when they left Egypt. And now he kind of uses a similar um, depiction here over Jerusalem. And this canopy will cover Jerusalem. The temple is a part of this mountain that that Jerusalem will sit on, uh, along with the with the flat plain that we talked about in the previous episode. The flat plain on the top of this mountain of the Lord will be uh, fifty square miles. The city of Jerusalem will be like ten square miles, and then the temple itself nearly one square mile. The, this cloud will cover this area. Uh, to provide steady shade during the day and fire will illuminate the temple area at night. And both combined uh, with the canopy will prevent a storm or rain from falling on this place. Uh, Isaiah 56, 7 tells us that um, it tells us that the temple of the Lord will be open to the Jew and the Gentile believers. It will be a house of prayer for all. God will accept the offerings of Gentiles in the temple, which is which was never allowed in the Old Testament times. So some Gentiles will even serve in the temple as priests and, and as well as other duties. Also, uh, that was not allowed in the Old Testament times. This just shows that in the end, Jesus is Lord over all and gave his life for all. And all will be welcome in his presence. All believers, that is. It is possible that there will be Gentile priests that present the offerings for the Gentiles and Jewish priests that present it for the Jewish uh, believers. But all that really matters is that both groups are welcome. The natural branch and the wild branch are a part of the same root. Isaiah 66, 18 through 21, uh, Jesus talks about gathering all the nations and tongues to come and see his glory. The earth will be heavily repopulated and with people that are unbelievers and do not know Jesus, uh, of course, but uh, I don't have faith in him yet. Never, you know, they never heard of what he did on the cross, never seen his glory, but he will set a sign before them, the church saints and believers that will be sent out to all the nations to not only govern and judge, but to proclaim the gospel, essentially. By the word of our testimony, we will declare the glory of the Lord to all the nations. Then we will also gather up uh, the Jews all the Jews that are scattered, and this will likely be at the beginning of the kingdom, but we will we will help carry them and bring them back to their land. Um, this, like I said, this is likely at the beginning of the start of the millennial kingdom, you know, where before the Gentiles were responsible for scattering Israel uh, among the nations. Now we will carry them back uh, and help them get back to their land, and this will be like an uh, done as a statement of honor to the Lord, kind of like a grain offering. 
Now, finally, Isaiah confirms in verse 21 that Jesus will take some of the Gentiles and make them priests and Levites. This distinction uh, is made because all priests were, were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. Those who were not priests had other duties in the temple or tabernacle and assisted the priests in their duties. Now for the final piece, what about those who disobey, those nations and people with their sin nature and those who are unbelievers who refuse to follow Jesus' commands? Zechariah fourteen sixteen through 19 says, Then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem uh, will go up year after year to worship the king the lord god the lord almighty and to celebrate the the festival of tabernacles if any of the people of the earth do not go up to jerusalem to worship the king the lord almighty they will not have they will have no rain if the egyptian people do not go up and take part they will have no rain the lord will bring on them a plague on them the plague he inflicts on the nations that do not celebrate the feast of tabernacles this will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that do not go up and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, which is also known as Sukkot, uh, which is one of the festivals or worship events that we will talk about next time. So there w- will be some that disobey and don't want to travel to Jerusalem to worship and honor Jesus, the King, and he will send judgment on them and they will suffer for that disobedience. They will learn not to miss church again. Isaiah 65, 21-22 tells us that we will build houses for ourselves and we will possess them throughout the time of the kingdom. And that our days will be like the days of a tree, which we know trees can live for thousands of years, the oldest reaching 5,000 years that we know of. So we will live out our days fully during the time of the kingdom because we will never die again at this point. Each day, uh, continuation Uh, of the joy from the day before enjoying the work christ gives us the laughter and fellowship of friends and family no bills no sickness no worry one day you know you know no worry of one day running out of time and having to say goodbye i know one thing for sure when i go to build my house i'm going to find my dad and enlist his help because he could build anything especially a house I know he will be working with his hands for sure and aggravating his best friend at the same time. And mom will probably be telling him how to design it, you know, and cheering me on at the same time. My granddad will be looking out his window watching those unbelievers. Uh, Hopefully my grandmother will be baking something and my pawpaw will definitely be farming for sure and harvesting. And granny, she will be making quilts for everyone probably while she's praising Jesus Um, You know, what a great day it will be to love and laugh and know that you will never lose that again. God, thank you for your promises and for showing us what awaits us in your kingdom. I know there are many details that we will never know until that day, but the ones you give us, you know, through your word already paint such a beautiful picture. I can't even imagine what it will truly be like. Let your people find joy, hope, and comfort in the promises of your kingdom that awaits us. I feel like we are steamrolling right into the last days and that trumpet will soon sound where you call the church home to be with you. But I pray for the lost and I pray for that that you will pour out your spirit once more on your people and let us be that sign before this lost world that bears your name and declares your glory for all to hear. 
draw that final number into the fold and let your name be praised. Amen.